0: Coaches, hello again. This is Coach Kevin Furtado of the Championship Vision Podcast. Today is episode 77. We'd like to welcome today Coach Tanner Brightman. Uh, Tanner just turned 25, actually, last week. He's the youngest coach to ever head coach a provincial team in Canada. Born and raised in Regina, Saskatchewan, he has worked with Basketball Saskatchewan for the last eight years in various capacities. And the 2017 Canada Summer Games being the highlight. He spent four years prepping that group. Coached the FIBA game as well under the FIBA rules. He began running the best in the West stuff in 2017 clinic. And has really grown quickly as we are lacking fundamental skills where he lives. Currently, he's the Dean of Men at Luther College High School. A small private high school in Regina, Saskatchewan. He's also an Assistant Athletic Director and Senior Boys Basketball Coach. In 2013-2015, he was Saskatchewan Boys Provincial Head Coach. In 2013-2015, he was a Balfour Senior Boys Assistant Coach. And again, in 2013-2015, <clears throat> he was a Center for Performance Head Coach. 2014 <clears> to <throat> He was the U15 Saskatchewan Boys Provincial Head Coach. 2015-2017, the Balfour Senior Boys Head Coach. 2015-2018, he was the Basketball Saskatchewan Male High Performance Coordinator and Coach for the U15-U17. 2017, NCCP Trained to Compete coach. 2017, he's the current Luther Senior Boys head coach. He's the organizer of Canada Basketball National Championships 2016-2017. 2017, 2017, he presented organizer of Best in the West Basketball Coaches Conference. I'm really excited. This is my first opportunity to interview a coach from outside of the United States. And I got to tell you, Canada is... Probably one of the best coaching developing countries um, I have seen. And I've seen guys like Dave Smart uh, from Canada, Chris Oliver, uh, who's head of basketball immersion. There's some brilliant coaches in Canada. I think Canada's doing it right. I think they got a true system of development. They might not have the great talent that we have out here in the United States, but they are really developing some fine players. There's quite a few players in the NBA that have been developed through the Canadian system. Uh, I think Tanner's going to give us some great insight in how they do it in Canada on the other side. Uh, So I I think I'm really looking forward to learning a lot from from Tanner and kind of give us an insight into Canadian basketball. Tanner, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> Tanner, welcome to podcast my friend.
1: Very good. Right on. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh first of all, um I just want to you how excited I am about having somebody from outside the United States. You're you're my first, so I'm really excited about that.
1: I'm uh, I'm I'm fortunate to be on. I appreciate. It. Obviously, I've have uh, listened to the podcast and have have seen the uh, the quality of of coach and and people that you've had on here, so I'm honored, Kevin. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you. Hey, tell us about how the game. Um, and I'm sure every podcast does that, but I love to hear how coaches kind of create that passion for the game and how you became kind of the excellent coach that you are right now.
1: Uh okay. Um basketball, uh basketball kind of found me, to be honest with you. I um I didn't have uh a, a, you know a relative or, or even immediate family that was even remotely interested in basketball. And then uh, through my friend group, um, going through elementary school and then to high school, they were all playing basketball. I was playing football, and then slowly my my interest into basketball uh, gained and my interest into football weaned off. And I think like most of, of your listeners here, you had a really inspirational person or mentor or coach to gave you the final hook, and, and I certainly did. I had a, a very, very um, um, renowned high school coach here in, in Regina, Glen Thakula, uh, who kind of took me under his wing and and gave me the coaching bug as well as the the basketball itch, and from there on it's been it's been my passion ever since. So I uh, yeah I've been very very fortunate with the the people that I've been around, and and here we are today. So.
0: Yeah, you, you got to. Uh, I've been reading a lot of your stuff, man. I mean, I think I'm a junkie, but I think you're worse, man. I, I think <laughs> I love hey, anybody that puts on a clinic. You got to be a little crazy, right? Uh, For sure. Tell us, tell, us, tell us about your best of the West coaching clinic. Um, I mean, it sounds like you have an awesome what I call a teaching clinic. You guys really teach the game up, don't you?
1: For sure, and I think that that was um one of the uh, the focal points in in myself getting <laughs> it started here um with basketball Saskatchewan being being more than gracious here and, and uh, being the host and. One of the things uh, why I wanted to get it going here is it was just it was a struggle for us um, in Regina, especially in, in Saskatchewan, the province that we live in here is pretty central in the middle of Canada. So it's hard to get to professional development opportunities and there's not a whole lot offered. So I was always finding I'd have to go either to the West Coast or to the East Coast guess, in the summer for, for professional development. And I said, you know what, well, why don't we just we'll we'll do it ourselves and we'll see how it goes and and uh now we're in year four of running it and it's it's grown each year but the focal point um when we first started running it was we were picking great people first and then the second to that year was was great presenters obviously right and so often those two things coincide and um, as you alluded to, you know, the, the teaching of it here. We, we, hope that people leave with at least one thing, but I, I hope that you'll leave with a whole lot more of those who attend. So,
0: yeah. And I, I do feel like certain clinics, I've gone to a lot of clinics coach and sometimes I come in out, come out of there with a lot of stories, a lot of X's and O's, right. but not methodology. I mean, I, I want to know how I can run a practice better how I can motivate my players better. Um, and it's really not about the drills. It's about how you can motivate and really scale people up. Right.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, I think we are in um, such a great age of learning, you know, um, information, uh, whether positively or negatively is so readily available for us now here, either through Twitter or, or um, every you know, coach has a, has a great blog and everything like that. Your podcast is being a, another thing. And, and uh, it's nice to be in a, in a little bit more of a formal setting here where you've got like-minded people around you that you can buzz off the energy of that. And, and people are, yeah, just as you said, in, interacting and, and teaching the game, not necessarily just, you know, um, reading from a PDF here, as you said. So
0: Yeah, and I really want to talk about uh, basketball in Canada because I'm going to mention two people. I know you know them, Chris Oliver and Dave Smart i 'm sure. talking yeah. about if they're not i mean if they 're not the best teachers of the game they're they 're pretty darn close aren 't they
1: absolutely uh, and and two quality people i've had the good fortune of of now um, knowing Chris quite well i haven 't been fortunate enough yet uh, to meet Dave, but obviously uh, his resume and his uh, his record stands stands for itself but um, speaking to chris he he 's been so so gracious and such a willing sharer. Um, not just with me, but obviously with the entire basketball community here through Basketball Immersion and and what he's doing for uh, for sharing the game. Um, but there, Chris just has a way about him that he is teaching, but he's not um, how, how to say he he doesn't make you feel like you're wrong in the way that you're doing. He challenges you know some norms here uh to make you reevaluate the way in which we teach the game and i think that's the the most healthy way of doing it right you you might not completely alter the way in which you're running your team or the way you're motivating or things like that but he's giving you insight into the people that he's talked to and the people that he's learned from and and really is sharing the game as his motto said so chris has been fantastic Uh, we can't wait to have him in regina in october um, he does a great job, obviously, of, of promoting everything that uh, that he's involved in, and, and we're we're very fortunate to have him, first class uh, coach and in person, as I said. And then Coach Smart, um, that's uh, that's one I'm working on. I, I hope to be able to bring him <laughs> into uh, to a follow up conference here um, in 2020, perhaps, uh, as we're running another another um, segment of Best in the West in, in Calgary, April first, second, and third. Uh, which will feature uh, Kevin Eastman and Mike Procopio are the first two guys that we have lined up. So really excited about that and, and to keep growing. And if we can add Coach Smart to it, um, that might just put me over the top. So,
0: Yeah, I'm sure you will, because it sounds like you guys are doing a great job building that. Um, Canadian basketball, it, I believe that there has to be a system progression of training. It seems like you guys have an organized system of how you're developing players here in America, it's scattered brain. I, I think you already know that, but mm. we have such great athletes, we get away with it. What? Well, tell me what's going on in Canada. How are you developing some of these really good players? And tell us about some of the great players that are coming out of Canada under your system.
1: For sure, you know, I um, I, I I can't take uh, much credit for the uh, the boom of basketball, but I've certainly been fortunate. Um, to uh to benefit from it if you will uh basketball in Canada I think primarily because it's played under the FIBA FIBA rules and the FIBA game um I think that development model here is taken in such a way that um as as you alluded to maybe the the U.S. hasn't and obviously I said this on a previous podcast, but the the FIBA rules I think are are the best way to play the game. I think it's the the nicest way to watch as well um and if it's good enough for the Olympics, I think it's probably good enough for the rest of the world and i'm I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that feel the same way. Um, but the the Canadian system, I think, is is aided from from being in that FIBA window because of the pace of play with the shot clock. Obviously, now the game has been sped up even further here with a 14 second reset instead of a 24 second reset on offensive rebounder or, or front court foul. Um, and I think in doing that here, players have just and coaches uh, have had to be more skillful. Um, I know in my time coaching provincial team. We certainly didn't have the uh the athletic superiority that you know uh, a province like Ontario had or Quebec, so we had to be more skillful we had to be more thoughtful in the way in which we were playing um, and I think that that's something that the fiba game does and and uh, the European game especially you know we there's so much stealing and and begging and borrowing um, from coaches out there that that I think the European game, if you don't have superior athletes, that's a great way to watch. And and Canada certainly has, has been fortunate to look off of that. So the system, um, I understand what you mean, Kevin, in terms of what the, the American, um, what I understand it to be is, is a little bit all over the place. And I think there is pockets like that in Canada, but Canada basketball as an overall, um, governing body, I think has done a really, really nice job, um, of getting everybody uh, on the same page, so that the best players and the best coaches are, are coaching for our national team and playing for our national team uh, in every age level, and the the player identification is, is um, across uh, across Canada, right? So if everybody's under the same umbrella, everybody's uh, for lack of a term, drinking the same Kool Aid, because what better what better um, representation is it then, or what better feeling than to represent your your province and then obviously uh, your nation? Uh, it's a pretty easy get on board for so the uh the way in which we've done things in canada is obviously with the rapture success i think the the boom for basketball is going to go even even higher than it has been and and i'm just fortunate to be in that window right now so
0: yeah and kind of tell us what you're doing with um skill development I'm, i'm gonna give you kind of i'm gonna tell you what i just did one of my players i want you to give me some great feedback can you do that for me coach sure
1: absolutely uh, um,
0: I have a little point guard in ninth grade. I coach girls. Okay. Right. And I have a little ninth grade point guard. She loves the game. Matter of fact, she'll come at midnight to practice. Hmm. She loves the game. I wish I had all, 15 players like that. Sure. Sure. Uh, but I, I believe what Chris Oliver says is that you can do all the drills you want, but you better teach the skill with defense. So everything and decision making. So today we're basically going, it was me and an assistant coach, um, basically a one-on-two. She was making reads. We were working on the moves. We were teaching on the run. She was making reads and runs all throughout the whole practice, trapping her, uh, just kind of asking her questions. Um, And to me, I felt like that's the best way to teach. I can have her do all sorts of drills, one-on-zero but I think that's the best way to teach. Give me your philosophy. Uh, I,
1: I 100% agree. I think um, the the best way that I categorize it here is, is messy learning, you know, you uh, and, and messy progress. If you look at progress um, very rarely, is it just a straight, nice, neat line, right? There's, you know, two steps forward, one step back. You feel like you're really good on a Tuesday. Then you come in on the Thursday and you're not as good as you were on Tuesday and it's back and forth. And, and that's part of the reason why I think the game of basketball is so, so uh, organic. It's, it's, it's different every time that you walk in the gym, um, and that's exciting. But in terms of the, the skill development path, I because I'm a relatively young guy, I'm only 25, I've been fortunate to grow up in the, the coaching method of decision-making and, and uh, games-based approach and small-sided games and these things here that there really isn't a whole lot of 1-on-0 or 2-on-0 or things like that. Um, as I was growing up, both in what I was learning, uh, as a player and then what I was coaching. Um, so I haven't really had to quarrel with that thought process. It's just been, it's just always kind of made sense to me. Um, and I think for players, you know, if you're working with young kids, what do they say right at the start of practice, you're warming up, whatever they go, okay, coach, how long until we scrimmage? Like they want to play too, but inside of a boundary here that you as a coach, you know, you're going to make some strides in, um, but also them as a player, they're going to be bought in regardless of the age group, uh, as well. So decision-making is a big part of uh, what we try to get done. Um, we certainly try to break down at least from an offensive standpoint, Um, our small sided games into actions that we're running with our offense um, or concepts. Um, and then from that point here, uh, I think players, they buy in because they see it. You know, we, we teach from a very um, whole part whole uh, standpoint in terms of, of player development. So players uh, see the whole parts of what they're trying to get done. So we're working on whatever it could be, you know, the, the footwork coming off a down screen or whatever that is, because um, they see it in our five man offense. And then they come back to us here on a small side of tier. Maybe it's two on two on three or, or three on two or guided defense or anything like that until they get the the motor memory of it. And then we're back to five on five here, hopefully looking better. Um, and I think what players don't understand so often here in in this um decision making aspect is that it uh you know, we're practicing and and there's gonna be mistakes. Like it's just that's gonna happen. I think of um I think of bands and, and music, right? There there's a reason why they have rehearsal. There's a reason why they get together and do sound check. It's so that when they play the show in front of uh, you know, fifteen thousand people, the show is the best here. And that's what the game ultimately is supposed to be, right? You're supposed to have your screw ups and your your um your things that don't go so well in practice, and then account for those things as you go and play in the game. So, messy learning, I think, is the best way. It uh, sometimes as frustrating as all hell, both for the coach and for the player. But if you remind yourself that it's okay, that's fine. And and oftentimes on my practice plan, I'll just make a note of that either at the top or the bottom that uh, that mistakes are are okay as long as we're learning from them, right? Hey coach, Tanner Brightman here, just wanted to give you a heads up about our 2019 Best in the West Coaches Conference, October 4th, 5th and 6th in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. Our presenters this year are fantastic, some of the greatest basketball coaches in the world, Chris Oliver, Mike McKay, Alex Sarama, Yurik Michaels, Shawnee Harley and Dave Taylor will feature 13 hours worth of content for coaches to learn for the low, low price of 100 Canadian dollars. Coaches will get fed and will be given over a $1,000 worth of discounts and giveaways. Please feel free to reach out to me via email or social media if you would like more information or if you would like to register, log on to www.basketballsask.com and register today. Hope to see you there.
0: Hey, Tanner, what's going on? Hey, I don't know. I want to kind of uh, say my question again. I think it might have been cut off. Um, hey asking questions I just think that's so valuable particularly at the girls level Um, and I think we as Tennessee as male coaches is to answer everything Uh, I think we have to be patient right when we ask questions
1: absolutely I think there's um, one of the biggest skills and and, uh, both of us as I understand Kevin you're a teacher as well I am too yes the biggest skills that I keep trying to pride myself on trying to get better at is asking better questions. Um, cause more often than not, you'll get a better answer and you won't have to answer it yourself. Um, but our, our kids, um, at least the kids that I coach here, it's, it's a bit of a challenge for, especially when they first start working with, with me and, and the coaches that I work with because we are so question heavy. Um, and we don't, for lack of a better term, like to spoon feed the kids uh, that we're coaching. Um, there's that uncomfortable, you know, thirty second pause where everybody's kind of looking around or <laughs> looking down or doesn't want to doesn't want to be the, the person to step out and answer. But as soon as somebody takes that risk um, and is willing to uh, to throw what's on their mind, then it gets a little bit better and it starts to organically build. And I think one of the best things um, that I've stolen here from uh, from Coach Mike McKay, who's coming to Best in the West yes uh, was uh the the idea here of, of question asking here but having your players go a b or c so a is that you agree with the statement or or the question um response that was given b is that you'd like to build onto it and then c is that you'd like to challenge it as a player so you know if we if we were doing whatever press break or something like that and and just i asked you know why are we turning it over and and player a says well we're we're not dribbling with our head up, you know, to keep it as simple as possible, right? And then we debrief as a team, uh, and, you know, kids go, oh, I agree, I agree. Well, that's pretty surface level, you know, right? It's pretty easy to say that you agree. Build on the kids as well. You know, we weren't coming back to the ball uh, in the middle of the floor. But then when your team, and this, I found this over the course of the season, when your team is really getting to it, you, the kid who goes, well, I'd like to challenge that. I'd like to challenge the the fact that we were turning over because really we weren't, we played that eight minutes, you know, mini game. We only turned it over one time. That was pretty good. We scored X amount, you know, so the ability to ask those good questions, but I think to have the framework to be able to give good answers is just as important. So,
0: yeah, I love that. I'm running that down. I absolutely love that. Um, so basically you're making, I mean, you're really kind of delving into the details, though. You're really making your players think, but that does take a little bit extra time. But don't you think that's worth it?
1: I do, for sure. And I think the time, um, probably at the start of the season, uh, more than anything, to be able to tell um, and show your players that it's okay to be uh, to be unsure, to, to ask the questions, because you're going to, as a coach, going to be asking them. As well, I think some of the best learning that I've done throughout the course of a season here is, is from, from my players um, because they've got a better better idea of what's going on on the floor than even I do. You know, I might um, might be the one to, to be working collaboratively with them here, but uh, the expression that we as a coach are you know, the sage on the stage um, with our players, I think, is, is, is old and tired. You know, you're we're all working towards a common goal. So you might as well be learning um, collectively and commonly as well. So the time that we take um, to build that space, you know, to be able to feel um, vulnerable in terms of the answers that you give, I think is really, really important. And, and to be able to give up, you know, some of that time uh, because we, we, we just learn more. It's, and I think uh, coach Oliver has a great article on this here, just about, you know, the, the time taken, um from your players here you know of you as a coach giving them every answer here and the the ability to remember or to, to instinctively actually be able to execute what it is that you're giving them versus peer-to-peer being able to give an answer and and the research shows it's just it's drastically higher that they get more out of um answering it themselves or, or working collaboratively to find that answer so
0: yeah, I just I know my own team. I think we play so much better when I'm not giving them answers. Um, more of a facilitator, because we all know basically that they're learning from us and that our system. Well, they'll they'll I mean they'll learn our system, but I think it's important for it's not about us; it's about them really believing in our system. Hey, tell us tell me about how do you coordinate a system? Let's say you're a pressing team. How do you coordinate your skill development with the type of system that you have? How do you do that?
1: Sure. Um, so in in uh, our education model, and, and Kevin, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, actually, if it's the same in, in the way that you were educated, but our education model would would say, you know, go backwards in design, right? So you look at the, the type of kids that you have, you have kind of the end goal in mind. So as you said, the, the pressing system perhaps is the the one that we use. We, we look at the team, uh, we've got quick, you know, relatively scrappy kids i would say um and uh and they're long or whatever it is they're athletic and and we think that we can press um in terms of what you would stereotypically assume a press to beat well then i think we look at that from the first point of that's where we want to get to and then go right to the start of your season and try to map out in your season plan exactly how it is that you want to accomplish that so we think of um, just little checkpoints along the way and whatever it is that we're doing from, a, from a, a system standpoint. And I think before you get on the floor with your players here, obviously you want to, and, and your coaches for that matter, you want to hear what they think um, they're going to be good at. You know, we, we one of the things here, and I and, uh, appreciate the, the love on the Twitter here too. I'll be releasing some more of our Canada games Um <laughs> information of how sure. we kind of came to the way that we played and everything like that. But we, we met as a team uh, and as a coaching staff and just said, all right, look at the guys around you. Look at what you know as us as coaches. How is it that you think we should play? Like what what are the things that you think we're gonna be good at with a limited window in time to get better at? And what are the things that you think, well we should just we should probably stay right away from that. And then in doing that, how do we develop our competitive advantage uh, versus the teams that we're going to play? So for the first Uh, three years of running provincial team with the group that we ended up finishing Canada games with. Uh, We didn't ball screen uh, and we didn't post up at all uh, on the offensive end. Um, And it was awesome. Like it was great. It made, it made me a far better coach because the kids looked around and said, well, we don't really have that guy to be able to post up or, or the guy who's just going to shred coming off the ball screen and, and, and torch another team. So we played with, played with space and and played with great pace and and went along it that way. Um, but maybe the long answer to your question, uh, how do you come back and, and align that in your skill development? I think it's, it's identity first. I think the kids knew, um, as soon as we talked about the way that we wanted to play from an offense man in that of games example, uh, then we could constantly come back and refer to that in the skill development that we were doing and saying like, well, you know, coach, we're not, we're not coming off the ball screen, hitting a roller and then, you know, hitting the guy on the lift or anything like that. Cause it's just not part of what we're doing, um, on a five man basis. So the skill development, uh, side of things, we really tried, um, to work into the, the front end of our practice. Um, and we would, as I said, whole part whole. So we'd start, we'd start practice or pre-practice here with the the whole, either the walkthrough or the video session of what we were doing, uh, get to our skill development in the parts, then come back to the whole at the end of the practice. So, um, I like to think that that planning is going to save you a lot of time. Um, but you got to have a direction in which you're going uh, to be able to plan, right? And and I think one of my favorites, one of my favorite lines that I used a fair bit with that kind of games group was was you know it's I'm fortunate to be the leader, but every leader needs uh, willing followers, and and the kids and the coaches were were just that they were fantastic. But I think it's because we had great buy in from everybody. So
0: yeah, and, and that pretty much answers my my next question. I go, <laughs> do you put your system? in first or do you look at your personnel like you did and then then build your system i know a lot of coaches do the opposite it's my Mm -hmm. system and i'm going to and which is i don't think it's wrong i think it's. i think the difference is kind of cool how everybody kind of builds a system Right. right
1: absolutely i think it it um because before I started doing the provincial team stuff, I was, was coaching a certain way. I had, um, I had a coach, uh, as I said, Glenn Fakula, who was incredibly post-up heavy, and we had, uh, we had great success with that. And We usually had uh, at <clears throat> least one guy in the low block, sometimes two, and, and that worked really well for us. So in going through my early years of, of being a basketball coach, that was the way that we played, and we had, had good success because we had similar type of players. Um, and then as we went to the provincial team uh, and the guys that I was working with, uh, we didn't have those kind of players. So we had to adapt and, and we ended up playing, playing five guys on the perimeter. And, and then I got really comfortable with that. And then now we've come back to the high school season that I just had, um, where we had two big guys who couldn't play out on the perimeter. So we were back to a little bit. So the just nice ebb and flow. And I think if you're a coach who is able to recruit and, and to get the kind of players that fit your system, it certainly makes it a little bit easier, but um I, I I don't have that luxury uh, right now and and it's fun as a coach. I think it makes you a better coach because you're constantly having to tinker and reevaluate what's best for the group versus what you uh, maybe morally feel is, is best for the group, so yeah
0: yeah, I love that. I think I, basically what you're saying is you have to adapt, right. Uh, you have to kind of think on Absolutely. the run, and
1: I think that um, that's the my favorite part of, of coaching is that there is just that constant evaluation, and and uh, it's it's really personal development within itself as well as the professional aspect here of of you're looking at how you can improve yourself to therefore improve the team, and the team improves, therefore you're improving. It's just a nice back and forth, and and I love it. I love it. that's my that's one of my favorite part of coaching outside of uh, working with with great kids and great uh, great people. So.
0: Yeah, and I always feel like the, the guy – I've been lucky. I've been, you know, interviewing guys like yourself and so forth uh, that are young, up-and-coming superstars in coaching. Um, and then I got I, – I, you know, I, at the other day I interviewed kind of a legend out in Florida, um, Glenn Welks, who's 90 years old, Coach, 90 wow. years old. Wow. And he's still involved in coaching. Do you believe I,
1: that? I, uh, I I sure <laughs> hope so. I'm gonna I'll go back and listen to that podcast. And I guarantee, and I, I haven't listened to it yet, so I could be way off, but I, I don't think I will be. I guarantee the energy that he brings at ninety is what uh, we all envy to bring tomorrow. If, uh, if I'm right.
0: Yeah, he's had a great mm-hmm. life, man. He's still going. Mm-hmm. I, I learned so much just on just on wisdom, right. not just on coaching, but on just life. Um. Hey, tell me about – I want to go back to practice. I want to tell you something that I, I kind of learned in the last couple of years. What I do in practice is I don't like coming in and just going through the motions with a warm-up. Right. A lot of times I'll come in and I'll immediately get their attention. Okay, all right, we're going to do, you know, baseline out of bounds, 10 seconds left, all right, put the ball in play, um, and let's go. To kind of get them thinking, boom, Right on, right quickly – and then we go to skill and then we go back to a game play. So I'm constantly doing game, skill, game. Right. Um, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah,
1: I, I love it. Um, we have done uh, kind of a mixed bag of stuff uh, through the various teams that I've had. Um, I think, I think we've done, we've certainly done things just like that. Like, we'll, you know, the, say we're practicing that's, at 11 o'clock and you know the clock hits 11 we'll go you know uh, team blacks baseline underbounds as you said team white you're down two let's go you're running fist and we'll see what happens and and just to get again you said that uh the, the guy is thinking right away off the hop one of the things that we started doing um really fun practice it's actually not Basketball related, but the kids seem to buy in, and, and some of our best practices have been when we started this way. Is we play something totally unrelated to basketball to get warm. Um, like we'll play, we'll play, nice. we'll play ultimate frisbee, uh, we'll play multiple balls, <laughs> so- soccer, uh, we'll play, uh, a, you know, a quick game of touch football or anything like that. Um, and, the, and the kids like that. Like they like to just mix it up a little bit. And, and I don't know how long your guys' season is, but our high school basketball season is the longest sports season in high school. So we get going the third week of November. And if you go, uh, whatever the, the distance you basically go till the end of the, the end of March. Um, so it's a pretty right. long, pretty long haul. So to break up some of the, the day to day, you know, monotony of what practices, uh, I felt that really helps. Um, one thing that I've carried with me on every team that I've, that I've coached here is we try to break every, um, every, every game or every drill or however you want to categorize it up here. We try to break that up with something shooting, um so we'll say we'll do we'll do the whatever the warm-up whatever it is that we pick for that day we'll get to transition then we'll do a six-minute shooting um competition then we'll come back say to ball screen defense then we'll do a six-minute shooting competition and we'll just try to layer that stuff in and doing the shooting competitions that we're doing we're obviously working on you know the the game shots that we think we're going to get out of our offense uh we we often do it to a either a timed limit or a, a competitive number um and that's a nice way for for us to get shots in both in the competitive aspect but it puts a little bit more on the line and i think it's a nice breakup to practice here um it finds a way to get shooting in because i feel sometimes especially early on when i was coaching i'd be like okay we're just gonna do block shooting for 20 minutes and that will suffice but after you know the first eight minutes it's just not as intense as it it probably should be and you're making practice shots quite a bit, but you get to the game and the transferability is just not really there. So we try to bust it in there in, in a short bursts. and my practice plans are pretty close, uh, I would say, um, now in the last three or so years that they have been in terms of kind of breakdown of how, how the alignment goes. Um, one, one of the things actually that we did at the start of practice here, uh, speaking of fun stuff that we did, we did egg toss um just uh just <laughs> to try and get guys to trust each other here so back and forth and we had one guy go um as as deep in the corner as you could to the opposite corner of the, the gym here and they caught it without breaking it so it's pretty good it was fun nice. it was fun yeah it was good
0: that's just good passing and catching yeah, skills that, right that, there that, coach that, that,
1: that's right soft hands soft hands <laughs> we need, we need them yeah yeah I'm gonna call it the Brightman drill. You <laughs> no, I, I don't mind if if uh, if, if <laughs> I, I'm okay if that ends up being my legacy here. The guy who who talks about tossing eggs—that's all fine.
0: Exactly. <laughs> hey, and tell me about. Um, I, I want to. I, I just want to ask you this question. Get your feedback. I'm a Steve Nash guy. I love Steve Nash. Maybe because I'm um, I'm just short, and I, I I just love his game. Is he the Give me the top five Canadian players of all time. If he's not number one, then I want to know who's better. <laughs> no, he, no he's,
1: he's, he certainly is number one. Um, and now, I mean, man, it's, it's, uh, if you would have asked even 10 years ago, probably the answer would have been a little bit more clear cut in the top five. But uh, the game has just expanded so much here in Canada and obviously with guys playing, playing NBA and, and even more guys playing professionally over in Europe and, and other leagues, uh, a top five is tough. Like obviously Jamal Murray has got to be in that mix, right? Um, he's oh, I forgot he, about that. Yeah, just yeah. a just a fantastic season. Um, you know, Trey Lyles is Canadian as well. Um, yeah, Dylan Brooks, obviously with the Grizz, uh, like all these guys who are just cu- coming up here now and, and making a name for themselves. Um, yeah, the, I mean the the list goes on. Obviously with RJ Barrett hopping into the league here now too. Uh yeah, yeah the, the the list goes on. I couldn't give you a, a top five. I could I could name fifty players, but naming a top five is pretty tough. <laughs> but, but you know you know that Nash is at the top of uh, the Canadian Mount Olympus for sure.
0: Yeah, it's amazing the guys you mentioned. I didn't even think about that. I mean, yeah, I mean y'all are doing a terrific job in your development because I don't think I don't think your average fan knows that.
1: Right. Well, I think. We, I would be, you know, foolish to say that that many of these guys that uh, that I could name off, though, you know, either went to a to an American prep school, right, and then have obviously have come back to play for our national team and things like that. So, the model, uh, especially in Ontario, again, based on my understanding, I'm a few provinces over, and we're we're significantly different in population and and everything like that. But it, it has gotten a little bit more Americanized here, where where it is that prep school model or is the private school um, right. playing in a various leagues and things like that, which obviously the more that the top players can play against each other, the better off that they're likely going to be. So.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately uh, that's yeah, particularly here in Georgia. Um, we had over 120 transfers for basketball mm. at the, in Georgia. And that to me is amazing. Kids are moving all the time and that's just it's not. I don't know if it's good or bad, but that's the culture now, right?
1: Right. I mean, I mean, I don't know if it's the same in Canada yeah. or not. But- yeah, it, it it certainly is. Um, even like so, the uh, the city that I'm in is um, only about two hundred and twenty thousand people that live here um, in terms of population base, and there's a million people that live in the province that I'm in. So it's not a huge population basis, but it, but it's the trickle down effect. You know, one of the awards uh, that I gave out um, for our our MVP this year one of the things that I had uh, put in there cause he's going on to play post secondary at uh, McGill um, out in, in, uh, in Montreal. He, uh, I said, you know, he had many opportunities to leave the school throughout his, the course of his four years. Cause he's a great player and a great kid, but the loyalty that he showed uh, to stay at the school was, was, was just awesome and, and made me better, made our program better and everything like that. But I read an article actually today. It's funny. You mentioned this, I read an article today about the landscape, even in the NBA and that coaches in right. front offices essentially cannot do a five-year plan anymore because year to year, everything is changing so quickly ebbs and flows. And it's, it's, it seems like it really is a win now, league, right? You can, you know, in the in the um, and credit to Kawhi here for making the choice that was best for him. But what more could the Raptors have done? Well, really nothing, right? And he, and he still ended up going to the Clippers. Um, and I think that's just the the modern day that we're in, right? And and the trickle down from the professionals all the way down to our level. I think you see it. Um, and I don't know if it's good or bad either. I, I'm not sure if I can. I can put that on I think in in one aspect, it's great that that maybe kids are are doing what's best for them uh the thing that I struggle with though is is us as leaders and and uh and adults who are you know selling it if that makes sense, you know right like I don't think that should be something that's a part i mean being, being i i i I work at a private school myself, but I'm not getting paid on the amount of kids that uh that I bring in or how well the basketball team does or anything like that right um and I think that that's where it gets a little bit muddy for me. It's just these the, – the guys who and, – and, and coaches in general um, who are selling this kind of golden dream that, that their school can offer something that, that nowhere else can. You know, there's, there's good coaches. There's good teachers at, at every place that you go. So,
0: Yeah, I think loyalty is a lost art or a lost word. I, I, I don't – I just don't see that. Now I, I think it's not good. I think if a kid – obviously, if a kid moves for the right reason – Yes. Um, but uh, I think it's not good for the remainder of their life skills, right. because if things are going bad, whether that's in a relationship or whatever, I'm giving you some philosophy. I, I apologize for it, but no, no. I think it's an easy way sure, out. Sure. Um, I, I don't think it's good, but sometimes it all depends on the individual situation. Though, right, right.
1: Right. And I, I think I remember, um, you know, going into high school and my, my parents were pretty good about what, where I thought we could go, I, again, I don't know how it works, um, in Georgia coach, but here and where we are, we have kind of catchment areas. Like you got to go to a certain, certain public school. If you're in a public school, you go to a private, or sorry, a, a Catholic school, if you're in, in, uh, that, uh, that religion. But now, sure. now it seems as if, you know, parents aren't really as involved, you know, with the, the, the kid just goes, well, I'm just going to this high school and it doesn't work after you or well, I'm going to the next school. And it's kind it's a little bit more, uh, yeah, it seems like it's left up to choice, and as you said, it, 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 it. I think I agree with you. It's going to lead to some problems down the road here with being able to tough out some difficult situations, even if you don't like them. So,
0: yes, and I'm not sure about the NBA. Even on the NBA, I think it's going to be as as level as possible this year. There's a lot of good teams, right, Tanner? Right. But I still feel, I still feel Kawhi is a god out there, isn't he? I mean, he. He, I mean, I think his his best place was Toronto. Am I the only one that thinks that? No, I
1: don't think so. I mean, uh, the, whatever thirty six million Canadians also feel that way too. So, uh, I was <laughs> I was just in Toronto actually um, the, these last four days here, and uh, I mean the the murals and the arts and the stuff that's uh, people have up in their stores and the Raptors gear and everything like that and. And even still, how much Kawhi stuff there is in the stores for people to buy with the with the New Balance and Boardman getting paid and everything like that. It was it was pretty awesome to see. It was pretty cool. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. Hey, my last question is, um, talk about let, let's say you're you're and also you're a young coach. So if another young coach is listening to this, give them some advice on putting together their own system. Give them some advice on what you've done or what you learned so they can kind of get off to a good start.
1: Sure. Uh, I think I could maybe break it down, hopefully into three things for you. Um, The first thing I think you have to, Right off the hop, you have to know what you like uh, and you have to know what what you don't like. Um, and I mean that from both an offensive and a defensive uh, point of view. And then go really down the wormhole of, of what you like and, and challenge yourself why you like it, right? Do you like um, do you like the way that the Rockets play because you know that they've got a ball-dominant player and the other guys are, are more than capable shooters around them? That's one example, right? Or do you like the way that... Uh, that the you know the Warriors have played, you know, even before the Durant age, right, where the ball was humming and, and really moving along. So challenge yourself on that, but then also go down the wormhole of what you don't like and challenge yourself why don't you like it? Like do you not like it because you think it's boring or do you not like it because it's actually not very successful. I think that we as coaches sometimes have a tough time differentiating between those two things. Like, you know, as a coach, you might not like watching the Rockets play, just that, and that's fine. That's personal preference, but it's hard to argue that the success that they've had playing that way. Um, so I think that's the first thing. The second thing is um, is to watch the the international game, um, whether you're from from North America or anywhere else. I remember preparing for, for this Canada Games group and, and trying to figure out what we were going to do from an offensive standpoint and, and to build in some of the layers and concepts. And I watched so much stuff that wasn't in English. Um, and that's really where my love of, of the European game came from was just how great um, the, the systems that these coaches were running uh, and just how deep and complex and and, and successful that they were. So don't, don't, I guess to generalize here. don't box yourself into one brand of basketball, you know, it's try and get as much stuff as you can from as many places as you can and then take it back to step one and see if you like it. And if you don't like it and what are the reasons from that? Uh, And then the third thing is, is try a lot of stuff out. Like just, just if you can coach as much as you can, um, especially early in relatively low pressure circumstances, and you can work on some of these ideas and some of the concepts here that you have, I think it's going to, I think it's going to take you a long way. Like I, I know from being able to coach younger teams and things like that stuff that I've just tested out, whether it's after timeout or anything like that, that I still run today because I know, well, I was able to try it out on a, on a, you know, a seventh grade team that uh, that wasn't playing in anything that was, that was very pressureful Um, and it's worked out. So, those three things I think is maybe the way that I've gone about developing the system that I play with. And, and uh, again, borrowing the personnel that you have, if, if you can have an identity as a coach, I think players buy into that a little bit more and, and they know what they're getting. So. Hey
0: coaches, this is Matt Smith, the president and founder of United Basketball Clinics. Want to let you know about two great clinics we have going on later this year. The Hoosier Gym Coaches Clinic, August 23rd and 24th at the Legendary Hoosier Gym in Knightstown, Indiana. Vance Wahlberg, Dave Love, Doug Porter, Mike Neighbors, John Kaufman, and more will be speaking that weekend. All sessions are on the floor with live demonstration. Also, we have the Peach State Coaches Clinic in Atlanta, Alpharetta, Georgia, September 28th. Hernando Plannell, Charmin White, Gene Durden, Alan Whitehart, the staff from Georgia State University, and more. Please visit unitedbasketballclinics.com to register. Early bird pricing ends August 1st. That's unitedbasketballclinics.com. Same staff discounts apply. I look forward to seeing you there. <laughs> Hey, Gans. again, again. I appreciate your knowledge, and i I appreciate that last statement because basically what you were saying is whatever you do, whatever you take, make sure you believe in it and have a great conviction, right?
1: For sure, and I think the idea of constant reevaluation um, and and get other people to test it too, like you know, have. Uh, have the coaches and and support staff around you who are going to challenge you in your belief. And, and I, I've been so, so fortunate. I can't stress this enough to work with great people who are willing to to say, well, what if we did it this way? Or, or maybe that's not the best for us or, or to challenge me in my thinking so that it makes me better. And ultimately it makes the team better. Right. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, tell us about, f- final word, tell us about your clinic, what the dates are, how they can, how they can get a hold of you. Because I know you put out, so, I mean, as a matter of fact, I downloaded something from you the other day about your first coaches meeting, I think it was. Um, you're putting out some great stuff, but tell us about your clinic.
1: For sure. So uh, the, the first iteration that we have coming up um, is October 4th, 5th, and 6th. Uh, it's here in beautiful Regina, Saskatchewan. Uh, October, there's not a whole lot of snow yet, so folks don't have to worry about <laughs> being uh, the Canadian chill. Uh, fantastic group of presenters and, and speakers. we obviously longtime coach at the University of Windsor. Basketball immersion, great share of the game. Um, Mike McKay, who is, I've referred to him as Canada Basketball Royalty. He's been with Canada Basketball for, for I believe, 20 years here now and and serves as, right now, the women's high-performance uh, director. And then we've got the international flair coming over. So Alex Sarama and Yurik uh, Michaels, uh, both working for Elite Athletes in Belgium, which is one of the top uh, premier clubs in, in Belgium, are coming over for 10 days, actually. They're going to do some stuff with me across the province. And then we've just added, actually, recently, uh, Shawnee Harley. Uh, Shawnee Harley served as a a multiple time. Olympic team assistant coach with our Canadian women's uh, national team. Uh, And she's come in, she brings a ton of energy and she's, she's just absolutely awesome. And then rounding out our, uh, our projected lineup here right now is Dave Taylor. So Dave Taylor has been here at the university of Regina, um, incredibly successful coach. He is, uh, he's going to be a great presenter because he'll be a bit of an outlier, I think in the topics that he talks about um, versus some of what these other coaches and with his success, it's going to be interesting to see how, how uh how things go so really really uh affordable conference as well it's 100 canadian dollars which for your u.s listeners is probably about 74 dollars and 76 cents or somewhere around there that's a good price Um, yeah you betcha! Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thirteen hours worth of instruction. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody gets uh, high definition videos after the fact. Uh, each uh, clinic attendee gets about a thousand dollars worth of discounts or giveaways um, that we're that we're fortunate with our our partners and sponsors to be able to go on. And then uh, coaches or listeners or anybody that's interested in the conference can uh, can find me on my Twitter, which is just at tbrights fourteen, or my Instagram, which is just at tbrights um and my email uh kevin you're more than willing to to share it here feel free to go ahead yes sir um coaches can get a hold of me that way here too i like to like to pride myself on getting back to people prompt and i'll be releasing some stuff uh in the same vein of, of coaches meetings and and our canada games process because i've got a fair bit of documents to be able to to share and I love, love when people give me a response and I know I've taken and and shared, uh, or been fortunate to be on the sharing end of so many other things. So I'm, I'm not coaching a provincial team this summer. So it gives me a little bit more time to be able to, to get some stuff out for folks. So.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to be prepared for you to get some good stuff, man. So I'm going to be, uh, contacting you a lot for ideas. So coach, thank you for sharing, man. I appreciate, I know you're a busy guy right now, but I appreciate you taking the time to, uh, Talk to a uh, you know a little small time coach from Georgia out here. So thank you so much.
1: No, no. Uh, as I said uh, at the start here, Kevin, it's it, uh, it's you who I'm I'm grateful for. You know, for being able to give me a forum to to speak about my experience and and some of the things that I believe in, and and uh, to have the forum to talk about our our best in the West conference, and and uh, I'm just very grateful for the opportunity. You've had uh, some incredible names on here, and. And uh, don't discredit yourself there in, in, in Small Coach Georgia. It's, it's Everybody's <laughs> making a difference in the area. So,
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Tanner, None. thank you, and I wish you the best in your clinic. And uh, I will do whatever I can to kind of help you promote it. So uh, keep up the great work. Thank you so
1: much. Awesome, Kevin. Appreciate it. All the best.
0: All right. Take care now. You bet. Coaches, I got an exciting announcement. On September 14, 2019, the Legends on the Lake Basketball Coaching Clinic will be back. Um, we're really excited to host a great clinic this year. Uh, we will have the top coaches in the state of Georgia and around the country uh, attend our 2019 clinic here at Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia. The clinic will go from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. We we feel like we are the most unique coaches clinic in the country and that we will have a live demonstration team from Middle Georgia Prep School demonstrating all the on-court activities for the speakers. In addition, we'll have the best high school coaches from states like Georgia, Wisconsin, Alabama, Tennessee, Missouri, and New Jersey. We have speakers starting at 8 a.m., And we will have our last speaker at 3.45 p.m. We provide the coaches with a meal, snacks, shirt, everything they need in our beautiful new facility here at Lake Oconee Academy. You cannot go wrong. If you're interested in signing up for this clinic, I will give you a special deal. Please put a special code of legends And you email me at FurtadoK57 at gmail.com. I will give you a special discount if you come to our clinic. And also, I'll provide you any hotels that are close by the school. We're right off of I-20 here in Greensboro, Georgia. Looking forward to seeing all you coaches. Take care.
1: Hey, coaches. This is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball, and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at DrDishBasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at Ball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in. Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram.